You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to the inaugural edition of Sassy Seniors, a show about our fabulous older dogs and cats. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. Thanks so much for joining me today. You know, I wanted to create a show to really showcase our senior pets. And, you know, as a human population ages and lives longer, of course, so are our wonderful pets. But many of us with aging pets, it's so interesting. We have a tough time realizing or really admitting that they are seniors. So in a way, I kind of like to think of our senior pets as as wise puppies. What do you think about that? (laughs) Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, my first guest on Sassy Seniors, she's beautiful, smart, and a TV network correspondent, Dr. Debbie Turner-Bell. Stay tuned. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hey, boy, how you doing? What am I doing? I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? <laughs> yeah, I know, me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity. And friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the PetLife Radio homepage. (coughs) Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here. (coughs) Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to Sassy Seniors. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. And I'm so happy to announce my very first guest on Sassy Seniors. She's Dr. Debbie Turner-Bell. She's a correspondent with CBS News Early Show. She's a former Miss America. And she's their resident veterinarian. Hey, thanks for joining us, Debbie. It is my pleasure, Kelly. Congratulations on your inaugural show. Thank you. I figured, you know, I would really want a good friend to join me on my first show, especially if I screw up too much. And I thought you'd be pretty forgiving. (laughs) 
no, no, no. I think you're going to do great. But I'm with you, sister. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks so much. You know, I love your job because you have the opportunity to report on pets and animal stories all around the country. And you have such interesting stories to tell on the morning show. Yeah, it's really a great gig, and I never imagined that this is what I'd be doing. Um, when I started at CBS, I started as a feature reporter. I came to do stories of, about interesting people and the interesting things that they do, and uh, just in an effort to be on the air more, because as you know, in uh, TV, out of sight, out of mind, and so wanted to be on as often as possible, and I had my veterinary degree. I finished veterinary school many moons ago and noticed that they weren't doing very many animal segments on the morning show. And so I offered to do some pet segments. And lo and behold, that sort of took on a life of its own. And the next thing I know, they were calling me the show's resident veterinarian. And now, 10 years later, uh, I would say... 80 to 90% of the stories that I do are pet and animal related, which I love. And I'm able to give out good, factual, non-mythical information about pets and pet care uh, to cover stories in even the wild animal kingdom, uh, which are a lot of fun to do, and to really hopefully raise the awareness of what proper and responsible pet ownership is. So it's a really, really cool gig. I love the stories that you're able to share with viewers, and it is amazing how pet ownership has changed through the years and how our pets are living longer and better, too, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, pet ownership has exploded uh, in the last couple of decades. I mean, there are well over 70 million dogs kept as pets in the, in the country, way over 90 million uh, cats. Two-thirds of American households have pets in them. So people not only have pets, but they love them and, and they treat them like members of the family, which I think they should. In fact, um, the pet industry, gosh, I should have looked up this number, but it is like a 42 or 45 billion dollar industry. People spend more on their pets than they do on candy and toys for their children combined. Isn't that amazing? And I know that you've done stories on um, because of our economy, some people have had to, or many people have had to actually surrender their pets, which I know has been heartbreaking for many of those families. Absolutely. Unfortunately, as we've gone through this terrible recession in the last couple of years, people have felt it in every facet and area of their life, including um, taking care of their pets. And so shelters have been overrun and overwhelmed with uh, animals that have been relinquished or abandoned by their owners. And that really is one of the more sad parts of this recession because in, in many of these cases, these are good people that love their animals and they want to do the very best that they can. And unfortunately, in their current economic situation, the best that they can do for them is to give them up. And that's just heartbreaking. Uh, I went to the Pacific Northwest and interviewed a couple that just were loving people and they built their lives around their dogs and the husband lost his job and then a short period of time later the wife lost their job and then they lost their home uh, and went and had to move into uh, temporary housing that would not allow them to keep their dogs and so they had to give them up and it was it was like giving up their children it really really was difficult uh, and even now although 
uh, government officials tell us that we are climbing out of the recession, mm-hmm. shelters are still seeing an inundation of uh, pets that are being relinquished because people just simply can't afford to keep them. That's especially true, Kelly, right now in the Gulf, uh, as um, the people there who made their lives on the the waters of the Gulf have been affected because of the oil spill. As they've fallen onto even harder times, their pets have felt the effects as well, and shelters have just been bursting at the seams. Yeah, and we experienced the same thing with Hurricane Katrina. I remember when I was reporting here in St. Louis years ago, and I remember, and you know, you're good friends with the Humane Society here in St. Louis, how they flew in pets from, uh, you know, the hurricane-ravaged areas. I mean, there were dozens of pets. So I just can't imagine going through something like that. Yeah. In fact, even uh, just as recently as last Friday, just a few days ago, a hundred dogs were transported here from Louisiana, from the shelters there that uh, just are so full and can't handle the the numbers of dogs that are coming in, uh, cats and everything else. So a hundred were transported here to the New York City area in hopes to find homes for them here to help relieve some of the uh, burden that the shelters there in Louisiana are feeling. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's that, that kind of thing is still happening. Yeah. Uh, and it's heartbreaking. It really, really is. It really is. Hey, let's talk about, you know, the the gist of this show, Sassy Seniors. And you know Miko. You've seen him grow up through the years. Would you believe he's thirteen now? We're talking about my dog, my Miko, who is a thirteen year old Shizu. I can't believe he's (laughs) thirteen. I know. I I remember when you got Miko. Yes. uh, and uh, he was just a young pup and so cute and he's still cute. But it's hard to believe that thirteen years have gone by. But you've done a really great job of taking really good care of him. First of all, because he's lived to be 13, and that's a testament to great pet owners these days. Our pets are living longer for two reasons. People are learning how to take good care of them and are taking excellent care of their pets, and advances in veterinary medicine have also allowed pets to to live longer. And so uh, Miko is a great success story and a testament to the care that you're giving him. So kudos to you. Well, thank you. But I got to ask you, why do you think it is? And another reason why, you know, I started ARF.com. Why do you think it is that people have kind of a a different attitude toward our older pets? Any given day, I'm walking Miko and I meet another pet owner who has like, you know, a younger dog. And then they see Miko and they think he's younger. And then they ask, well, how old is he? And I say, he's 13. And I say it with pride and they're like oh like he's like you know on death's door why do senior pets have such a bad rap sometimes well you know i think sometimes senior pets have bad a bad rap just like senior people you know very often in our society we marginalize and overlook and undervalue our elderly and i think that happens with our pets as well when they reach a certain age there is this mindset that they uh have lost their youthfulness have lost their virility and, uh, you know, they're just waiting around to die. And nothing could be further from the truth when taking, when taking good care of them. And also, I think people sometimes forget that their pets, in terms of their physiology, are very similar to us. And so they don't think in terms of an aging dog or an aging cat has specialized needs and therefore needs specialized care, just like an aging person. I think sometimes people think, well, it's just a dog. 
or it's mm-hmm. just a cat. But no, they're a living be- being with complex organ systems that are almost exactly the same as ours. And so when we have pets and we're blessed to watch them get older, we should pay close attention to their behavior, close attention to the health and signs and symptoms that they're showing us so that veterinarians can catch disease processes and and debilitating processes early and treat them early so that they can live as long as possible, but also be as active as possible. I mean, I've seen, just like Nico, 13 or 15-year-old dogs that still run and play fetch and, you know, still race to the kitchen for their morning breakfast oh, yeah. and bright-eyed and those kinds of things. And that is a result of very vigilant veterinary care and, you know, care and nurturing from their owners as well. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, Miko still runs through the hallways. He has his spurts of energy. And I also think, though, when people tend to deny or to not admit that their pets are seniors, they're doing them a disservice because even when it comes to simple things as giving them uh, senior pet food, but, you know, things like that to monitor their weight, it's really important to really recognize that they are getting older. You hit on two things that I, that I wanted to say right away, and you're exactly right. Uh, it's important to remember that as our pets age, that their needs do change. And uh, there are certain circumstances that if those don't change, they can be detrimental. And you hit two of them. And first of all is their diet. Um, obesity is dangerous for every pet. And uh, obesity can cause or worsen uh, heart disease, lung disease, uh, joint disease, skin disease, and that's especially true in our older pets. So it's so important to maintain a healthy weight in the pet throughout their life, but especially in their twilight years. And it is also important to change their diet uh, as they get older because their nutritional needs change as they get older. They don't need as many calories. Many, particularly older cats, don't need as much protein. And so it's important to gradually switch over to a formulation that is specifically for a senior pet so that they uh, don't pack on that extra weight, so that they don't overwhelm their kidneys with too much protein or overwhelm their liver with other uh, ingredients that can cause those organs to begin to degenerate and shut down. Also, it's important, you know, as we get older, we do naturally slow down, but human medicine teaches us it's important to stay active, and that's true for our pets as well, and while you don't want to over-exercise them and you don't want to injure them by pushing them too hard, if their daily walks or twice-daily walks are just as important, if not more important, as they get older than ever before, so having that regular exercise, regular play, and mental stimulation, Kelly, just like with people, and I don't Right. want to overuse that, you know, that phrase, just like with people, but it is just like <laughs> it's with true, people. though. They need to be mentally stimulated. And now our pet manufacturers have come up with really great puzzles, if you will, for dogs and even for cats so that they are mentally stimulated as well as physically stimulated. Things like Kongs where you can hide food in the toy and they have to, you know, manipulate the toy and move it and and do different things to get to the treat. Those are good for the mental health of your pet as well as the physical health of your pet. Yeah, because I don't want to see, you know, like you were saying, and I <laughs> used the comparison too, just like humans, you don't want to 
forget about your older dog. You know, people tend to get so used to them as being in their family and, and kind of sometimes um, neglect them. I don't mean in a neglectful way as to harm them, but take them out. Take them to a dog park so they can meet other dogs and, and meet up and keep their, their brain stimulated, which I so agree, Dr. Turner Bell. Oh, I'm glad you did. I want to also just interject, too, that those veterinary exams, uh, and of course, makes sense because I'm a veterinarian, I would say this, but it's really true, become even more important. And sometimes it is appropriate to take your pet as they get older to the veterinarian more often than you did when they were younger. If you only took your pet to the veterinarian once a year, my goodness, I hope you at least did that. Then when they get older, it might be appropriate to take them twice a year just so it gives the the veterinarian a chance to catch things early. You know, um, older animals are more susceptible to osteoarthritis or degenerative joint disease, more susceptible to kidney disease, to heart insufficiency and liver disease, as well as tumors and cancer, not to mention diabetes and some other uh, hormone diseases like hypothyroidism. And so all of those can be managed if they're caught early. And some of them can even be, if not cured, at least held back to where the animal can live a great quality of life. Most of those will be very expensive to the pet owner if they're allowed to progress to a a further state, and then sometimes it is a death sentence for the pet if it's not caught uh, early enough. So going to the veterinarian uh, twice a year or more often than you did in the past is even more important for that senior pet. Yeah, make those visits to the vet. The vet is your friend. The vet is your friend, and I know a lot of people don't want to pay the vet bills, and they think it's very expensive. This is what I like to say. You know, some people, they will complain about a, you know, several hundred dollar bill from the veterinarian. However, if we as human beings went to a human physician for the same disease, the very same technology, the very same education and expertise would be used to treat us, and we would pay many-fold more. So really, no matter what your veterinary bill is, it's a discount compared to what your bill as a human being would be, and veterinarians are equally trained and qualified as your human physician. So look at it that way. You're getting a discount when you're treating your dog. I like thinking of it that way. And there's also pet insurance, too, you know, if you want to look into that. Yeah, and that's especially important or it's especially appropriate when you get a pet that's young. Uh, When you get a puppy or a kitten, uh, you know, do a little research, find the insurance company that has the best policy for you and, and get it and keep it up throughout the pet life and it will become most useful to you when that animal ages and begins to have age-related disease and symptoms. Well, Debbie, I got to tell you, it is hot here in St. Louis and you know how the humidity is here because you've lived here for many years. I don't know what the weather's like in New York, but heat and pets come to mind and also particularly seniors because I know they can be a bit more sensitive to the heat, right? Absolutely, and uh, it is just as hot up here <laughs> as it is down there. Maybe not as humid, which makes the heat just slightly more tolerable, but yeah, yes. it's hot. And you bring up a great topic, because now we're in August, we're in the hottest month of the year. Also, the humidity generally is the highest that it is all year long, and it's so important to protect our pets from the heat. And seniors are particularly susceptible because, you know, their metabolism slows down, the efficiency of the operation of some of their organs uh, slows down, and so that they can succumb to the effects of heat 
much faster than a younger, healthier pet. Uh, and, there, and, and most pets are more susceptible to heat be, uh, than humans are because they don't have sweat glands throughout their body like we do. We have sweat, sweat ground, glands from our head to our toe. And so when we get hot, we sweat all over, and that helps the body stay cool. Dogs and cats generally only have sweat glands on their pads, on the bottom of their feet, and sometimes on their nose. And so they don't have the surface area to remove the heat from their body like we do. So they have to work much harder in order to dispel the heat. And then, of course, with dogs, they pant, which is their most vigorous way of removing removing heat to help them stay cool. So we, we have to help them. And this is what I like to say. If you are hot, your pet is hot. If it's uncomfortable to you, it's uncomfortable to them. And so particularly for, for older pets, it's important to make sure they have a continuous source of clean, cool water and also to keep them in air-conditioned, uh, and if not air-conditioned, at least well-ventilated uh, areas out of direct sunlight because they can succumb to the effects of heat very quickly. And if I can, Kelly, I want to just give uh, your listeners some things to look for if their pet is succumbing to the heat. Generally, pets will have what we call heat exhaustion first if they're not handling the heat very well. And some of the signs of heat exhaustion is rapid, incessant panting, not just the regular, and don't laugh at me for doing it, but the regular, (laughs) it'll become fast and it'll become desperate. they're really working hard trying to get rid of that, that heat. And so that rapid panic is a sign that they're, they're not handling the heat very well. Also, profuse salivation. If your dog doesn't normally have just pools of spit around their jowls and all of a sudden they do and they've got these long, stringy uh, lines of saliva coming from their lips, they're, they're struggling. They're having a hard time. Dry gums, extreme lethargy if they just lay down and won't move or weakness, as well as confusion if they seem disoriented. Um, these are signs that you need to get the pet out of the heat if you're outside, out of the sun completely. Put them in a cool place. Give them some cool water. You can soak towels in cool water and wrap those around their neck or put them uh, in their inguinal area and help them cool down uh, as quickly as possible. If those proceed, it can lead to heat stroke, which can be deadly. And that's when no longer is it this deep, incessant panting, but the the breathing becomes shallow. The eyes will glaze over. Their gums will get pale and gray. They might have vomiting or diarrhea or become comatose. And this is a medical emergency. And it's my hope that, um, you know, that your pet never gets to that point. So it's so important to protect them from the heat. Never, ever, ever take them in the car with you if you're not going to take them out of the car when you get out and turn the car I off. I was just about to mention, why in the world do people in the summer leave their pets in the car? It is beyond me. Unless you have to take them to the vet or something or take them you know, with you and take them out of the car with you. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. And people still do it to this day. I see know. pets left in the car. And I'm one of those crazy people that I write a note. I do too. And leave it on the windshield and say, you're, you're killing your dog. You know, don't ever do this again. Because here's the truth. Sometimes people say, I'm, just going, I'm running in for just a minute. It'll just be a second. And it's not that hot. And I'm going to crack the window. Well, check this out. Some research was done by the Humane Society. Even when it's just 85 degrees outside, and that's not particularly hot. That's not blazing hot. With the windows cracked in your car, within 10 minutes, it will become 102. 
two in the car. In 20 minutes, it'll become 120 degrees, and thereafter, the temperature will go up 20 degrees per minute. Per minute. Yes, so that car is literally an oven baking your pet, even with the windows cracked. So if you can't take the pet, particularly dogs, because that's who we usually take in the car with us, out when you get out of the car and take them into the air conditioning with you, do them a huge favor and leave them at home. Okay. Hey, Dr. Debbie Turner, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to have a a little fun because we're going to talk about, is it a Zadonk? A Z-donk. A (laughs) Z-donk. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host, Pia Silvani, teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. From Paris, New York, and around the globe, get ready for the hip, the trendy, the uber cool where pets rule. If you've got a passion for pet fashion and a flair for animal wear, this is the ultimate place to take a peek at what's chic in the world of designer pet fashion and cool new pet products. The Pet Set, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
and welcome back to Sassy Seniors. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and I'm so pleased and honored to have my friend, Dr. Debbie Turner-Bell. She is a CBS correspondent, CBS News correspondent for The Early Show, and she is also the resident veterinarian. Welcome back. Thank you. So glad to be here. (laughs) Okay. You were telling me about a couple of stories that's aired recently on CBS. What's a baby (laughs) Z-donk? Zadonk. Weird word, yes. Um, I just did this story uh, just a few days ago, last week, in in fact, and um, there is a wildlife preserve in North Georgia, and they have in their collection of animals zebras as well as donkeys. And apparently the owner of this preservation keeps the donkeys in the same pasture with the zebras, and he says it helps keep the zebras calm. Well, apparently a male zebra thought a female donkey was cool and cute and fine, and uh, I don't know if they took behind a bush or what they did, but uh, they were able to uh, have a nice date, and the donkey got pregnant, and when she gave birth, she gave birth to uh, a little animal that looked like a donkey from the belly up, but like a zebra from the legs down. Uh, The little baby had striped legs just like a zebra striped oh on his nose on her nose has actually the head of a horse which is kind of weird because I don't know what that has to do with anything and then the body of that donkey so they call the baby whose name is Pippi short for Pippi Longstocking oh. get it? oh uh, got it <laughs> got, yeah there you go uh, a z-donk or some people call them zonkies well you know what What you know what comes to mind when you said that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I mean, do the other animals accept this Z-donk? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, she's such a young baby that she's only with her mom right now. So she hasn't had to go into the uh, main pasture with any of the other equines. So it remains to be seen. But you raise a really interesting point, Kelly, because in the wild, the worst thing to be is different than everyone else because you stand out and basically become a flashing red light to predators. So that's why we rarely, if ever, see interspecies mating out in the wild because it is a safety or self-defense mechanism to look like everything else and to be able to stay a part of the herd. Uh, So this really only happens in captivity. Wow. And what is, well, I know since it's so new and different, but What's her life expectancy? Is she going to have any health issues because she's biracial? (laughs) (laughs) Interspecies. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, No, she's probably going to be just fine. I mean, there are other species that, or we call them hybrids, that do produce hybrids. If you remember back in the 80s, I think it was, there was this this movement to try to get people to eat beefalo. Remember that? Uh, yes, I faintly do remember that. Yeah, which is where they were breeding buffalo with cows to produce this new, you know, improved meat source. So, you know, that happens very often. It's actually not uncommon for zebras and horses to breed together and create what's called a zorse. And then the one interbreeding that we all know and maybe just don't think about are horses and donkeys breed and produce mules. Mules you are know hybrids. What? That's so true, and I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. Lordy, lordy. So it does happen, and generally when there is an interspecies hybrid like this, their only health concern, if you call it a concern, is usually they're sterile. They're not able to Mm. uh, reproduce themselves. But they, you know, generally live normal, healthy lives, particularly in captivity. It would be difficult out in the wild, but in captivity, Uh, they do just fine. 
and our listeners can see your story on, on cbsnews.com. Yes, if you go to cbsnews.com and go to the early show page and then just do a, a search for Z-Dog, you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cute little thing. It really is. Oh, I bet she is cute. Well, another story that you were talking about, military working dogs in Iraq. Just did the story, and I was so pleased to do it. There are thousands of military working dogs serving our country in the armed forces, and, and many hundreds of them are deployed into combat zones like Iraq and Afghanistan, even Kuwait and other areas, uh, to help the servicemen and women there do their job. And these dogs generally act as patrols. Most often now, they are explosive detectors, bomb sniffers, to try to help find uh, hidden explosives, as well as IEDs, before those detonate and, of course, cause great damage to people and our own troops. Uh, and so a particular German Shepherd military working dog named Gina served a six-month tour of duty in Iraq, and she was a great bomb-sniffing dog. And when she came back, she came back fearful and timid. Mm -hmm. Any noise uh, sent her running for cover. She did not like to be around people. She cowered even at the sound of a radio. And uh, it was determined that she showed the same signs or signs very similar to what we see in our human service people with post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD. And And I would think so because our pets, you know, are so sensitive to well, things. They are sensitive, but, you know, she experienced the same traumas that a human being would experience in war. And, in fact, it was discovered that she was in a convoy that was attacked by an IED. And the vehicle that she was in, thankfully, did not explode. But she was in the convoy and saw this horrific explosion. And they believe that was the catalyst for her her fears uh, and timidity. And, but we see it even in, in regular dogs, civilian dogs in regular life, whether it's dogs that are afraid of thunderstorms or firecrackers or uh, dogs that have been in abusive situations and they end up in, in shelters and, and they show these extreme signs of anxiety and fear and they hide and cower and tuck their tail. Uh, a very you know similar situation uh, where there really is an adjustment in the chemistry in their brain which creates uh, creates these fears and these anxieties and so the uh, handler at the base that she is from decided to try to rehabilitate her and put her on an intense six-month program of really re-socializing her, getting her to be comfortable around people again. He would take her to staff meetings and, you know, walk her to the base exchange, which is basically the military version of Walmart, you know, just to get her used to being around people and eventually and slowly begin to desensitize her to loud noises. And uh, there was a shooting range close to the kennels. And so he would go with her and they would just hang out near the shooting range where all these guns were being fired and over a period of time would just move her closer and closer, giving her treats and taking her through behavior commands and that kind of thing to keep her calm until she got to the point where she didn't react. And now she's been recertified and she's back on active duty. They're not going to deploy her back to a combat zone anytime soon, if at all. But they were able to rehabilitate her so that she could go back to the job that she was trained to do. It really um, just is a remarkable 
story and a testament to the fine men and women in our armed forces, and particularly this one handler who took the time and had the compassion to try to nurse her back to life. Wow. Yeah, we obviously salute all of our men and women who are serving in Iraq and Afghanistan and our four-legged friends who are also serving there. That's right. They really do experience the same amount of risk and put their lives in danger, uh, or their lives are put in danger, I should say, uh, just like their human counterparts. And if you speak to any service person who is a handler or a partner with one of these canines, um, they will tell you that, first of all, they have a bond that's beyond explanation, that they have a connection with these dogs that's greater than they could ever have with another human being, and they trust these dogs with their lives because these dogs are so loyal and so hardworking, and they do us a great service. Absolutely. And I think that is a good way to wrap up the show. The inaugural show of Sassy Seniors. Uh, well, <laughs> Boy, I the time went by so fast. Did go by. Are you sure we don't have another 20 minutes to talk? <laughs> Are you sure? Because I got another 20 minutes worth of stuff to say. Well, we could hang up and we could call each other. But. Okay. <laughs> this is a neat show, and I congratulate you and uh, wish you so well with your Sassy Seniors show. Well, Debbie, Dr. Debbie Turnerbell. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure sharing all of your wealth of information with our listeners. And I want to share with our listeners, when can they see you on The Early Show? Of course, The Early Show is Monday through Friday, every CBS station in the country from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. So we want you to tune in every day, of course. And then uh, hopefully, I'm not sure when I will be on next. I don't want to say that because everything's changed. But just tune in and watch every day and you'll see me pop up soon. <laughs> also, and they can go to CBS.com and see all the stories that you have done, too. Absolutely. All the stories. Yeah, if you go to CBSnews.com to the early show page, and you can either search my name, Debbie Turner Bell, and you'll get an archive of years of stories I've done here. Uh, or if you want to search for the Z-Donk story or the Military Working Dog with PTSD, you can search those and they'll come up as well. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. <laughs> and be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Sassy Seniors. You can also visit my website, which is dedicated to our senior dogs and cats. It's arf.com, double A R double F.com. Sounds like a jingle, doesn't it? Double A R double F.com. I want to hear you sing it, really. <laughs> I just double A R double F.com. No. Well, thank you, Miss Turner. Hi. Turner Bell. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.